0: We want to delight in your ways. Would you allow us to do that now? Allow us to worship you uh, in spirit and truth. Let our um, reflections on your scriptures be brought, let them be brought to life by your spirit so that we may not simply understand them and be able to uh, think about them, but be able to apply them to our lives. It's in your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I uh, was in the first grade and remembered um, learning this saying, and I thought that it was unique to me and a few of my friends. The teachers taught us this thing called the Pledge of Allegiance. And I'm like, whoa, this is, this is pretty cool. All right. Like me and all my homies, we get to say this. And then I like leave the classroom and I realize Wait, like, everybody's saying this in my whole school. Because we got together for a, for a, um, assembly, and everybody said it. So now I'm kind of like, whoa, this is pretty cool. Because I thought this was something between me and my homies, but this is, uh, kind of school-wide. And then I go to camp, and me and my boy Aaron from the hood, we go to this camp, and we're the only black dudes, but we had a lot of fun. We kicked it, and we did horseback riding and all this stuff, and I'm like, whoa, And after lunch one day, everybody said the Pledge of Allegiance. I'm like, how do y'all know it? I thought that was a hood thing, you know what I mean? And so (laughs) before I realized, I'm like, whoa, like this is something that that everybody that has attended school in some fashion that, uh, at least during my era, I don't know if kids even still learn the Pledge of Allegiance now, but in my era, every kid learned this. And it was, it was assumed that if you were a student in school, this is something that you did. You learned the Pledge of Allegiance and you recited it often. It was a ritual. And it didn't matter whether you were black, white, that was one thing we all had in common. This ritual of a Pledge of Allegiance. Family, today as we dive into the scriptures, as we are studying what it means to be the church, God has ordained, he has set forth some rituals that he doesn't care if you're a woman. He doesn't care if you're a man. He doesn't care if you're black, if you're white, if you're Asian. That's what my boy Mike because oftentimes he says the Asians don't give no props. I got you, baby, if you're Asians. <laughs> what, what matters most is that, you, is that you recognize that this is a ritual that he's mandated for all of his people. And this ritual is a, the... the is a term called sacraments. It's called sacraments. Now, a sacrament is a, is a, uh, a ritual observance. It's also an oath of allegiance, and it's a mystery. Uh, and as we are going to be doing some things, diving into the scriptures today, I want you guys to, one, feel free to raise your hand if you need a Bible, because those will come around. Two, if you have a question that you think will edify the entire body, then we want you to feel uh, celebrated in asking it. Uh, but if it's something that you want to learn personally, and it may not like, help everybody, but help you, I'd love to talk to you after service more and uh, wrestle through that. But sacraments, sacraments, it's, it's a ritual. Uh, the ritual that I explained was one of the Pledge of Allegiance that I experienced as a kid. But... Uh, A sacrament was something that was special in the days of Christ. See, when, when when a new king came in town, he didn't just assume that everybody was down. He didn't assume that everyone was willing to die for them. So if you were going to become one of the king's men, you would take an oath or you would take a sacrament, which was a pledge that, hey, for you, I'm willing to give my life. For your protection, if you, as king, will protect me, I'm willing to sacrifice my life for you. And so, the sacrament oftentimes was used as a military term to say that person's ride or die. That person will go to the end. That person has my full allegiance. But then, as we see it, as we see it written out in scripture, uh, it's this term of of a mystery. While there's an oath, there's also a a, a mystery to it because God is present within the sacraments that he's asking his people to be about. So in in 1 Timothy, it it gives us an understanding of, of the mystery of Jesus and how we have understanding, but we don't have full understanding. You with me? Christ has helped us understand the beauty of who he is and what he's done, but who among us Fully understands repentance. Fully understands the Trinity. It's still a mystery. In 1 Timothy 3.16 it says, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in flesh. Vindicated by the Spirit. Seen by angels. Proclaimed among the nations. Believed on in the world. And taken up in glory. We get it we get it. we know what it means to see something but at the same time do you really get what it means for angels to see him not fully and so as we're going to be talking about sacraments today there's going to be this this tension of oh i see i understand that yet i kind of still need a little more understanding and that's where the holy spirit comes in and i think the beauty of a mystery is that it forces you to not depend on your own ability if you're going to understand a mystery, you're not brilliant enough to just work it out. God's going to have to do something to reveal it to you. So I, I, I'm going to unpack sacraments. Oh, Rebecca? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, the scripture, I'm sorry, is 2 Timothy 3.16. Not okay amen thank you (laughs) for all those that went there thank you so so i got to give you guys some background okay because you're like sacraments help me understand this what's he talking about it's a mystery ritual pleasure allegiance i uh i love to eat and um many of you know that um i at times will say like i have a friend who um when you ask him what he made, he'll tell you, oh, it's just a meatloaf. Okay, cool, man. I'd like to replicate that. How do I do it? You're like, no, man, that's my, that's my secret recipe. You know, no, like, that's how I do. You like that, don't you? But you'll never know how to do it. <laughs> Sometimes when we talk about these big terms like sacraments, like if we just explain to you what a sacrament is, You'll, you need the background to how we got there first. So I'm going to ask you guys to follow with me for a little bit as I share with you the story of how sacraments came to be really important and how they came to be uh, chosen as what they are for us in the New Testament era. But first, I've got to get some, some building blocks, if you will, some, some keys to the recipe. Key number one is that our faith is in Christ alone. Our salvation is through our faith, okay? Because as we talk about sacraments, as we talk about rituals, you may be tempted to want to worship the ritual in and of itself. You may be tempted to want to place more um, ownership, more elevate more the ritual than the God who grants it. And I want us all to be on the same page that our faith is in Christ alone. Uh, Galatians 3 1 through 9 says this. Oh, Galatians. And they what the Galatians struggled with was uh, um, works of the law and what they could do to bring forth salvation versus faith in Christ and that being enough. Right. And do does anyone in here struggle with trying to earn God's God's approval sometime? Nobody. OK, I know I'm alone. Yeah. And so this this. So he's speaking here saying, hey, guys, I want, I want you to get something. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? Basically saying, if, if your salvation started to come from spirit, is it now like coming out of your works that your salvation is happening? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with what faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham and the scriptures uh, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by present, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed uh, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Our, our works, even our rituals, won't bring forth salvation. They will be ordinances. There are going to be commands that Christ gives and we're going to unpack that. But what gives us saving faith, is, excuse me, saving grace of the Lord, what allows us to be saved is our faith in Christ alone. And that's referenced again in Romans four, uh, four, five and in Romans five, one. And he simply says in five, one, they kind of sum it up quickly. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that faith has been since the days of Abraham. And that that last verse that we looked at in Galatians is a challenge that, hey, before the law even existed, before you could try to do something by works to earn the favor of God, Abraham was a believer because of his faith. And so now what I want you guys to see is sacraments reflect something. Rituals reflect something. It reflects something called a covenant. And in the Old Testament, a covenant was a description of the relationship between God and his people, where God is saying, I'm going to give of myself, but I have a requirement of you. Um, I have a definition here, and it basically says, through the covenant, God has conveyed to humanity the meaning of human life and salvation. Thus, a covenant relationship is not merely a mutual relationship acquaintance but a commitment to responsibility and to action so in a, in a covenant we both agree of how we're going to do life but God sets forth the understanding of the covenant so Leon why why are you talking about this stuff you going to stay with me here but but God does this for a couple of reasons let me try to show it in this way we're gonna go back to the food metaphor so I love to eat. A number of you guys have had me over to your home. I've been to people's homes where they've spent hours in blessing our family by creating a meal. We've had great conversation. After the meal is over, they're like, hey, we're going to bring out some dessert. The dessert comes out on the table and it's decadently laced in peanut butter. Now, if you know me, you know I'm allergic to peanut butter. But the, the, the desire of the host was to bless me greatly by providing something that they thought would be so pleasing. Yet it is something that 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 is not pleasing to me. Family, we we at times think that we know how to love God best. We say, well, because I'm inherently created in the image of God, whatever I choose to do is going to be loving. God says not so. Not so. Actually, I know how I want to be loved. And I'm going to explain it. Would you be humble enough to love me the way that I desire? Not simply limiting. We're not saying you can only do this, but, but could you get this right as the people of God? Because I want you to love me how I desire to be loved. And so he does, he, he lays it out through some covenants, okay? First covenant, one between uh, Adam and and God between the people of Israel. It's in Exodus 31, 12 and 14 It says, and the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel above all. You should keep the Sabbath for this is the sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. My family, what what was the sign of the covenant that he was saying? Yeah, y'all can answer. What was the sign? Sabbath, one of rest. So now every time you stop and you take a rest, it should point us to God. It should stop and we say, Lord, I've set aside this time for you because you love me dearly, because you've established a covenant with me that places me into your fold. Let's look at another covenant. One between Noah. Now, if you guys know the story of Noah, Noah was kind of uh, um, people were living in an unhealthy way. Noah chose to listen to God, do some things that uh, God was asking, and the Lord spared him from punishment that took over the whole world. These scriptures flow after that. And he says here, I establish my covenant with you that never again. Shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all for all future generations. I set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. I will bring clouds over to the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds. I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water should never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but the term sign is used in the Old Testament. The term sacrament is used in the New Testament. So I'm, I'm, I'm building a case for sacraments that we're going to do, but I'm showing you, man, Every time people saw these signs, it was the point to Christ. It was the point to God. So a a family, a dad and his family walking and a little kid looks up and says, look, daddy, a rainbow. He's supposed to stop and say, you're right, son, there is a rainbow. You're right, my beautiful daughter, there is a rainbow. Let me tell you what that means. That means God in a loving way spared us. He allowed his grace to continue. He chose a people for himself and we get to be a part of that. And that's what that blank rainbow represents. That's a sign to communicate God's love, his covenant heart. It happens again. The brothers don't like to hear this one. No, it happens again with Abraham and the sign of circumcision. Yeah, that one that one, that one don't go over too well with the bros. Um, but 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 hear me. There's a there's a there's a, uh, a response to a covenant. There's a, a lifestyle, there is a life application that each person was to have every time God set up a covenant. Because it reminds you how much God loves you, how much he set you apart for his kingdom purposes, how much he delights for you to love him in a way that he can receive love. So then, if that's the Old Testament, Liana, you're talking about old covenants and just to continue on the word play, actually Old Testament, Old Covenant are synonymous. New Testament, New Covenant are synonymous. Um, you can interchange those word, words. And then Leon, what is the New Covenant? Because we're now in the New Testament. What is the New Covenant then that covers us? Because while God did spare us and we do understand the rainbow understanding, we, we weren't back then, we are here today. And there's a new covenant that now covers us. And let me, let me uh, unpack for you guys a few different ways the new covenant plays out. First in Luke 4, verses 18 through 19. The new covenant is first one of freedom. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. These are Jesus' words. Because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We, we get freedom in Jesus now, where we were before bound to sin. We now are free to delight in His ways. Hebrews eight uh, eight through thirteen says this: it says I will put my put my laws uh, starting at verse ten. I will put my laws into their minds. And write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. You guys remember uh, in Ezekiel last week as Brother Matthew was, was talking to us about, about like having the word be what we're rooted in. And, and in Ezekiel I think 36, 26 it just talks about like someday we would have a heart transformation that takes place where God gives us a new heart. Not one that we can through our works like bring forth. But one where Christ says, you know what? You're my people. Some stuff when you is jacked up. But I'll, I'll, I'll take that and transform it. Do you have a question, sis? Oh. So he says in, uh, in Hebrews 8, I will put my law into their minds. Write them on their hearts. I will be their God. But also in verse 12 of that same chapter, he says, for I will be merciful Towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. It's a new covenant where you are free to delight in the ways of the Lord. Where now sin is removed from you, and God is quick to forgive as we are quick to repent. In Galatians two twenty, he says this. So, you, so we had a, a a life of freedom, a life of forgiveness but also a life now where we receive the spirit in us. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. A great change from the Old Testament. Now, this God who we worship dwells in you. In you. No no need to go to the temple. For the God who was at the temple now dwells inside of your heart. We see elsewhere that it describes you as the new temple. We are the new temple. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And lastly, in this new covenant, and there's far more components, but lastly, I'll mention that of rest. That of rest. He says in Matthew 11, Verses 28 through 29, "Come to me all who labor and are heavy-laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." Sister, Lisa? No, you great? Mm. Her question was, she's saying that, uh, she's asking me if I'm saying that by us saying we don't have to go to the temple, I'm saying we don't have to go to church. Great question, sis. Uh, No, I'm not. What I'm saying is, in the the Old Testament, the temple was symbolic, actually a part of your lifestyle where you went there to go take your sin to the altar to be forgiven. Each day, you would take a dove, you would take a goat, you would take a lamb so that you could be forgiven and be rightly restored with God. Today, we don't need to do that anymore. We still, the purpose of church is now different as we worship a God who's already accomplished all sacrifices for for us by giving of himself, amen? But now, when we come together, we come together to praise that fact, we come together to worship together, to encourage each other, to be challenged in the scriptures, but we don't need to come together together to, to, make, to bring a goat in here and do a new sacrifice, we can come together now and say, Lord, I myself want to confess sin and be restored by you. I don't need a temple to do that. Amen? Great question, sis. Great question. So then if, if, if there's a New Testament, if forgiveness, if freedom, if, if imparting a spirit into us, if rest are part of this new testament then what are the signs what are the sacraments what are the things that that should represent that those two things family are baptism and communion those two things are baptism and communion and so so if looking at the rainbow was a way that you said oh mental note i should worship god now if 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 circumcision was a way where you said, oh, wait a minute, this God is worth everything in order to identify with with this God. I'm willing to take a to have a physical experience so that this God will now be my God. And so I so that my belief is now materialized through action. We now have the same type of experience. We now have uh, two modes of operation that we do as a means of worship. Not out, of, not out of a means of guilt, not out of a means of, uh, of the law, but out of a means of delight. God, if you've provided me rest, then baptism and, and, and communion or the Lord's Supper are, uh, are the ways in which I want, to, I want to worship you. So first, Jesus models it, okay? In Matthew 3, 11 through 17, we see this picture of John baptizing. And then he says, hey, I'm baptizing um, and with that of repentance. Earlier, he talks about, I'm not even fit to like, tie up the shoes of this guy who's going to come. So I want you guys to know the baptism I do is far different from the baptism that the Lord will do. They don't even compare. But yet, I'm baptizing for that of repentance. So then Jesus comes on the scene And 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 John is like, wait a minute, I'm I'm supposed to baptize you, you're supposed to baptize me. Because always what's required of a person who believes is a heart of repentance. So as John is baptizing people in repentance, he's almost taken aback because he's saying, Wait, Jesus, I'm baptizing you, but you're perfect. You don't need to repent. And Jesus in in word says basically uh, um, in verse 15, but Jesus answered him, let it be so for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Basically saying God has ordained a lot of prophecies. This is one of them that we need to fulfill, John. And though you don't understand it, this is in order with with the, the journey that God has set before us. And so we will see the beauty of baptism is that we enter into Christ's death and also his new life. But but here uh, we see Jesus model for us baptism and he himself is baptized by John. But then he mandates that we go out and baptize as well. So in Matthew 28. He says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations doing what? Baptize. I'm trying to keep you all awake. That's all. <laughs> Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is this is what this is a, a call for us all to be about. And, and let me let me say this, too. As we talk about these things, this is not Macav specific. Okay, just as the Pledge of Allegiance wasn't my school specific like this is these are things that every Christian is to be about. So as as if this is to reflect the new covenant that you exist in or that you desire to exist in, then we want to challenge you to be baptized right away. Not 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 to wait. um, like on Macav or anything else like and we we will we will set up baptism right away don't don't get me wrong but sometimes we can think that it is something local you know uh, that it's, it's it it and this is something that's universal all people who love Jesus should get baptized not only because he modeled it uh, but also because he mandated it you see it in Mark 16 he says, uh, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. This is a, an expression of your faith. And lastly, it's, it's, baptism is a part of the life of the church. It's a part of, of, of how the church uh, lives together, breathes together, and uh, proclaims their faith together. And, and in Galatians again. We're, we're back there with some people who wrestled with the works component. Uh, in verse 27 of, of chapter 3 it says. For as many of you were baptized into Christ. Have put on Christ. So now we are, we are taking on the likeness of Jesus. As we are baptized. We are identifying with who Christ is. And when you say this, well, Leon, what is baptism in and of itself? It is a a heart. It is your belief being manifested through actions, okay? Your heart says, I love Jesus. And now you want your actions to follow up. So you want to go public. You want everyone in the world to know, I'm a new citizen. I've I've got a different identity. I know you're new to Leon of the past. I know you knew, got some stories from how we used to kick it back in the day. I hope you took down them YouTube videos. But what I'm saying is, I'm a new man today. And the way that I used to live is different from the man that I am now. And so, my character is going to be that of Christ. And I'm going, to, I'm going to identify with the death of Christ through baptism. Romans 6 says it this way, by no means, uh, and this is verses 2 through 4, by no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Jesus Christ and were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Family, this is a a ritual that's to remind us that we are no more bound to sin. We're no more bound to who, who we were prior to Christ, but now we get to delight in new life with him. So that's one of the rituals. That's one of the rituals. And there's a few different debates about like, Can you receive the Holy Spirit without being baptized? Uh, Yes, you can. Um, But oftentimes we have arguments of like minimalists, you know, like what can I do to get by with just enough Jesus? You know, so like, can I get the spirit and not get baptized? That's not the way you really want to approach being a Christian. (laughs) That's not that's not the way you want to approach you. You want to delight in everything God has to offer. So you don't want to say, like, can I get this without you want to say, what what's everything you have to offer and how might I take fully of it? So, Christ, I get to identify with you and your death through baptism. Where the pool? This, where the pool at? You know, like, like OK, it's time. It's, it's time for me to do this. And then, uh, um, yeah, can, can you be saved without baptism? Definitely. Because we're saved by our faith, by our belief. Now, again, do you, do you recognize you're saved and then ignore baptism? I don't think so. We have an example of a, of a man on a cross right next to Christ who was saved. And due to some unfortunate circumstances, couldn't, couldn't go get baptized. You know what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is, is family, like, continue to delight in the ways of the Lord and choose to fully be able to express, express all that he has for you to, to show how much you love him. To show how much you love him. Because he's given his life to show how much he loves you. So, so baptism is one form of, of celebrating this new covenant of freedom. Of rest. Of forgiveness of sin. Of a transformed heart. Communion is the other way. And uh, communion you will find in Luke 24, 14 through 20. Where it's, it's, it's in these verses that it's modeled and it's given as a mandate. It says, and when the hour came, he reclined at the table. And the apostles with him. And that was Jesus that we're speaking of. He this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. We see this uh, shared again in Matthew 26 and in Mark 14. Um, but, but Jesus walks with his disciples there, models it says, do this in remembrance of me, mandates that it continue to happen. But I want to I want to unpack for you guys like the symbolism that's happening here so that we view it as worship as well, because it it, I want us to understand the journey and what they were hearing as they sat there with Christ. So there's a few different offerings that happened in the Old Testament. Okay, you have burnt offerings. You had sin offerings. You had thanks offerings. Now, a burnt offering only the high priest could do. That burnt offering was to, to atone, to, to cleanse, to wash your, this entire congregation of sin, to wash all the people of sin. It, it, it wipes the slate clean. Now, that, that was one that only the high priest could do. The um, sin offering is one of intentional sin. Excuse me. Unintentional sin. So accidents that you guys commit as a body. Now, the high priest wasn't the one who would who would go and make that sacrifice. It was actually the lower priest. They would go and and say, okay, Lord, for the accidents that the people have committed, we present this offering to you. It's a pleasing aroma and they could delight in actually eating that eating that offering afterwards if they wanted to as priests. And you guys, we as the laity of the temple, we could only perform the peace offering, an offering of praise. God, we just want to thank you for who you are. So we're bringing forth a dove. What Jesus then does in the New Testament is says, wait a minute. I shall serve as all three. I'm going to be the high priest atone for everyone's sin for for the sin that you knowingly committed, I got that. For the sin offering, the sin that you accidentally committed, I got that. And then as you want to just praise and thank God for who he is, I got that. So now as he's giving out and saying, I want you guys to, to take the Lord's Supper. I want you to be reminded of all that I've accomplished. That, that these different stages of separation from God, I'm bringing right before you at the table to say you can delight in it. You can take. You don't have to have someone else do it for you. That's, that's, that's one image. As I, was, as I was studying, another image came to mind. As, as we understand this concept of, of, of the blood. And I have a few people that are going to help me out. Did you guys come up? So what happened is you have individuals that continue to come up in the Old Testament with, with blood. And they are making sacrifices on, on their behalf. But this blood will only work for this moment. So, thank you. She'll be back. Hold on one second. Yeah, Mike. Put his hand down. Oh. Yep. Thank you. And these uh, imagine, if you will, this is your dad continuing to bring forth sacrifices on your behalf. So that your family can be restored with God. Imagine this is your brother. But every time they bring forth one of these. One of these sacrifices. The sacrifice does not last forever. It lasts until he goes and sins again. Until she goes and sins again. And guess what? Then she has to come back again. So, so it is pleasing in the sense that it removes sin but we're, you're still under the same old covenant. You, you, yes, your sin has been removed, but it's, it's, it's not a blood that's everlasting. And so what Christ does is say, I'm going to give of myself. I'm going to take my blood. I'm going to take my blood and I'm going to offer myself because you're, the blood you continue to bring is not enough. The blood you continue to bring will keep you coming back. I'm going to pour out my own blood. But now this blood satisfies the desires of God. Whereas before you were only trying to get forgiveness of sin. But now this blood gives you new life. It's not just you're forgiven. It is now you are forgiven and can live free. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this blood and I'm going to give it back. I'm going to take my blood and say, brother, the place that I've put you in, keep taking up this blood. And don't you ever forget that you are a new creature. You have a new reality. There's a new reality in Christ. You're not just forgiven. You are made new. You are made whole. Will you you do this in remembrance of me? Will you allow this new covenant, my death, to remind you continually that I've made you into a new creature? And that the sin that used to plague you is no more. There is no condemnation. You've been set free. That is is the heart behind communion. That we we in a loving way would say, Christ, I get it now. I get now all that you've accomplished. And so I, I want to continually thank you and be reminded of what you've accomplished for all of humanity, what you've accomplished for me. But family, if, it, if, if, if all that is accomplished, if all that is real, if, if we're placed in this new reality, then it's not something to be taken lightly. And so we find in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26, remind us of, of Jesus' words to do communion, to, to, to take the Lord's Supper, to do this in remembrance of me. But in verse 27, it has these words of warning that if, that if I have indeed given my life and, and made you guys into a, a new creation, you can do this to remind yourselves of, of my blood spilled, to remind yourself that my blood once and for all has accomplished it. Verse 27 says in First Corinthians chapter 11, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who drinks, excuse me, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Do you need to be perfect? No. You don't need to be perfect in order to delight in, in, in what the Lord offers, to delight in, in communion, to, the, to, to go forth and baptize. You don't need to be perfect. But what you do need to remember is that Christ desires repentance. As John baptized, he was baptizing with that of Repentance. Our faith is one that's real, and it starts with us understanding that we love a holy God, and we're not holy. <laughs> so God, you transform us. And so here, it's, it's the same challenge, which is one of confession. Father, forgive me for those crazy thoughts. Or forgive me for the way I treated my brother. Forgive me for my laziness forget whatever do you have to remember everything you've done no because remember he he handles the sin offering too. he he handles the unintentional sins as well he covers that too but if we have a knowing sin in our mind how dare we make a mockery of all he died for if we're gonna say if he's saying hey i'm here to cleanse you of sin and you saying nope i'm gonna keep the sin jesus I'm gonna keep it on, but let me let me praise you while I choose to keep on my sin. But it, it, that don't make sense. <laughs> it's just it, what? Really? And so He desires for you to be free from sin as you come to delight in Him. I was uh, I started doing my pledge of allegiance searches, and because uh, I. I I was doing a little research. And so I came to get connected with uh, some information about the immigration process. And I was kind of blown away at the way things work with our system a little bit of how like when you are an American citizen, even if you're from another country, another country can choose to grant you dual citizenship. So say, I'm gonna use my sis Kelt. Say you're Kelty, she's from Canada. If Canada says she's a dual citizen, it's okay. All right? America will honor that. But if Kelty were ever or someone else were to ever apply for citizenship, saying, I don't want to be a citizen of, um, if she was to apply to be a, a Canadian citizen, then the United States would say, no. If you're grandfathered in and you're made a dual citizen, they'll allow that. But at the moment of you making a conscious decision that I want to be a citizen somewhere else, the U.S. says, great, you're no longer a citizen here. I found that to be kind of, in, kind of intriguing because as I looked further, there's an oath that people take once you become a citizen. Hear these words. Hear these words of a ritual that happens often in our nation as people are excited to take on the identity of American. This is what people say every day. I hereby declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, pontentate, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I have here heretofore been a subject or citizen that I will support and defend the constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies foreign and domestic that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same that I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by law that I will perform non-combatant service in the armed forces of the United States when required by the law that I will perform work of national importance under civilian direction when required by law, and that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. So help me God. Does that, does that sound like a, a statement of allegiance? Does, does that sound like uh, utter commitment, utter devotion, total renouncing of, of, of one's past? Family, if, if people get it when they think about the benefits of being an American citizen, what are we doing when it comes to rituals of baptism, rituals of, of, of communion? Do we see them as ways of celebrating an allegiance that far surpasses anything that's man made? Do we see ourselves as, as, as people who get to delight in the ways of the Lord? Do we see ourselves as, as man, this, this, this isn't something I do out of, out of, out of uh, something that's not passionate. This isn't something that I do because everybody else is getting up to go and, oh, well, it's an, another week of baptisms and, or another week of communion. So I guess I'm going I'm to go down, too, because I might look a little silly if everybody else go and I don't. I, I, the game's coming on. Let me go get this cracker. Like, do 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 we do we do we like dismiss the beauty, the value, the depth of who Christ is? Can I confess? At times I do. At times I've had. I have. My, my, I, I need to apologize to my Matt group. There's times when I. Grab some water and a tortilla, you know, like I, 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 I don't think forward, Lord, we get to celebrate all that you've done for us in a way that unifies this body like none other proclaims your name like none other weekly, weekly. You only gave us two. you only gave us two two ways. And there's many other ways to love you, but the, these ways you gave us. And I did one once, was baptized once. So there's only one other that I can do continually, and it's communion. And I want to encourage us to be a people that are willing to confess when we've, when we've sinned and, and delight in the ways of the Lord with communion. Our MAC group should be taking communion uh, weekly, but then sometimes you get a double up. If you're having it in church, you get a church Sunday and during the week, so you get to delight in the Lord twice. Praise the Lord. Family, we are going to take communion today. You remember the criteria. First belief. If today is your first day in believing in Jesus, then you can delight in communion today. You don't have to wait. We don't have a checklist or anything. You know in your heart whether you believe in Christ, and that's enough. If you if you want to take of that, which will come forward today, we've explained what it is, what it represents, then, then please do so. But I encourage you to, to, to take a moment before you partake and ask the Lord, Father, search my heart. Reveal to me ways that I need to confess to you. Because I just, I just want to approach this with a heart of worship. But also, if, if may, maybe you are new to Christianity, Maybe you knew and what it looks like to live for Jesus, and you haven't been baptized. Please come see me. See, see the worship leader who's up here. See JD in the back. We want your name, and we want to be able to walk you through baptism. And if you would like to be baptized, set that up for you. You might say, well, Leon, I don't know if I'm going to be at Maccab longer than three months. That's cool. Baptism, you can be baptized. We're willing to baptize people, Okay. We, we would love to do that. But if you're also a person who's been a Christian a long time and just haven't never got baptized, we invite you to do that, too. So as my guys get ready um, with communion, uh, the worship team is going to going to come forward. And I just have a, a few last questions for you. Just have you been baptized? And do you take Communion and approach it with reverence and with confession. Will you pray with me, family? Jesus, you're our Savior, our God. And you give us the joy of being able to retell your story, your gospel. We get to look at a covenant that, that's established for us so that we can be reconciled to God, so loving. Would you, Christ, allow us to um, give us a heart for taking communion seriously? Not, not give us a heart for allowing it to be worship for us. Would you, Lord, let us uh, confess frequently and delight in Your ways often? Would you allow baptism to be somebody who says the Pledge of Allegiance or an oath that someone takes pales into comparison to the new identity that I have in you, Jesus? We love you, Christ. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.